Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's we had a hard time together, together. Yes, it's a hard time. We had a hard time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. On today's podcast, we explore many of the reasons why we don't have an actual healthcare system in this country and why job satisfaction is low among health workers, and how you can get involved in the evolution from sick care to a hybrid healthcare system, where alternative modalities and plant medicines will be utilized as complementary tools for whole patient wellness. And because this vaccine conversation is still going on and it's divisive as ever, it's normal to disagree with people in your community or even in your own smoke circle or family, but it's critical to still respect each other's rights to make personal healthcare choices, even if you don't understand them. And side note, no explanation is required because personal sovereignty or free will is the right of every being. Those are the sovereign shoes you find me standing in right now and during this important conversation that I had with Dr. Kirsten Shepard, the founder and CEO of True Stoppers, a hemp-based product lineup for both pain management and recovery that promotes whole body wellness. For more than 10 years, Kirsten's practice has integrated medical, chiropractic, acupuncture, and physical therapy approaches to whole body care including the opening of clinics across Texas and in Los Angeles. Dr. K has been recognized for her holistic approach to pain relief by way of awards and teaching opportunities from Texas legislators and leaders from top hospitals. Kirsten is a cannabis advocate and an active member of Texas Normal, the Minority Cannabis Business Association, and the Drug Policy Alliance and she is on a mission to provide her patients with the same type of whole-person health care that athletes and celebrities receive. But before we dive in, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week, I'm sharing Susan's story of relief. 
Susan wrote, Our 2.5-ounce tube of MG Relief arrived one day before leaving on a month-long road and camping trip. I am healing a broken foot and ankle and had bought it mostly for that. But once we got on the road, my husband bumped up against a variety of back, shoulder, and neck pain. We used MJ Relief every day and loved it. It helped both of us feel better, and we are so grateful. Susan, I am so happy MJ Relief turned out to be a great travel companion for you and the hubby. Thank you so much for sharing your story of relief. I'm sending you both smooth and happy healing vibes. Now, if you out there are feeling Susan's pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com. That's mjskin, R-E-L-I-E-F dot com. And for those of you who are already fans of MJ Relief, please send a video or voice memo and let me share your story of relief on the podcast. Or you can also do what Susan did and leave a written review on the website. And follow at MJ Skin Relief if you're a social butterfly. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural, sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. In my chat with Kirsten, at one point we discuss food deserts and how they affect the health of our communities. We know more now than ever before about the impact of food on not only personal health, but also the collective public health. And eliminating food deserts gets to the root of the problem. Ron Finley is a food justice advocate in South Los Angeles. In 2011, Ron got sick and tired of having to drive 45 minutes to get real food. So he decided to grow some himself. He turned the 150 by 10 foot median strip parkway in front of his house into an edible garden growing food that he freely shared with all passersby. However, this action violated a city ordinance and led to a fine. When Ron refused to pay it, an arrest warrant was issued. Ron fought back and ultimately won in court, and his fame as the gangsta gardener was born. As a Food Revolution Summit speaker, Ron says that in his community, it's easier to get alcohol than it is to get an organic apple. He explains, quote, A food desert is a place where there is absolutely no chance, opportunity, or hope to get any kind of healthy, nutritious food. The food that is distributed in these communities is subpar and is coming from different parts of the world. It is sprayed with toxins and poisons and picked before its time. On top of that, there is a proliferation of fast food, which a lot of the time is the only option that residents of these communities have. The drive throughs are killing more people than the drive-bys. End quote. Did you know that 925 million people across the world are starving? And that 30% of the food produced to eat is wasted, like thrown in the garbage and turned into toxic greenhouse gases kind of wasted. And that only 25% of that wasted food 
could end global hunger if it was donated instead. The problem and the solution, sitting right there like an elephant in the room. While organizations and institutions spend millions to conjure complex solutions and systems that'll end up costing billions to implement. While those exhausting dog and pony shows continue, because they have and they will, I encourage you to consider things we can do as individual sovereign beings. As individuals, we can grow and support community gardens and the people behind them, like Ron Finley. We can support local farms and businesses that treat their employees fairly and that invest in our communities. We can get informed and tell others about the impact of food deserts, like I'm doing right now. And we can support individuals, companies, and political leaders that truly invest in a more equitable world. Like my friend, Allison Scheel, who co-founded and recently launched the Carrot Food Donation and Rescue app. Carrot is a free online donation matching marketplace. Carrot is disrupting the current system of an ever-growing epidemic of food insecurity and malnutrition. Now, everyone across the U.S. and Canada can post food for donation, and nonprofits can rescue it to feed their communities for free. And even better, it's really easy. Carrot uses technology to create a network for businesses and institutions to responsibly donate surplus food and goods directly to local nonprofits. And the donors, those restaurants and institutions, they're protected from liability by the Good Samaritan Act. Local hunger relief agencies utilize the Carrot app to access the network and discover essential resources to serve our most vulnerable individuals and families. And Carrot makes good business sense by providing small businesses, corporations, and governments with a revolutionary platform for data and impact tracking used for taxes, fundraising, and quality control. I encourage you to join the hunger and climate change revolution in your community simply by downloading the Carrot app. It's spelled C-A-R-E-I-T. And don't forget to share it with your smoke circle and any restaurants, businesses, or farms that you know with a surplus of food that simply goes to waste. You can also support the efforts of Allison and the Carrot team on Indiegogo, like I did. I'll include links and more details in the podcast 197 show notes at casuallybaked.com. It feels so good to support individuals, businesses, and brands doing the right thing. That's why I'm such a fan of OCB rolling papers. All OCB papers are plant to puff and made in a facility that's powered by 100% green energy. And all OCB papers are vegan, GMO-free, chlorine-free, and dye-free. You'll love OCB even more because they make no-tear, even-burning rolling papers with natural, always-stick acacia gum grown in African fields that OCB has been reforesting for decades. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social, at OCB underscore USA. 
I recently completed my move back to the wine and wheat country of Northern California and have new episodes of Roll With Me in the works. If you're ready to master the art of hand-rolling your joints, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me on the Roll With Me video series, live streaming on the Casually Baked YouTube channel with replays on the WeedTube and IGTV. And there's still time to buy your rolling supplies, folks. Visit ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, makes this bundle priceless. As for you OGs who can roll a joint with your eyes closed, I challenge you to sample the entire line of OCB products and let me know your favorite. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 197 show notes at casuallybaked.com. If you've chosen a purpose for your life and you're ready to play the long game, this podcast is for you. It's also for anyone feeling roadblocked, bullied, or pressured about their healthcare decisions. And if you're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, then you're ready for hybrid healthcare, my friend. So microdose your meds and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Kirsten, thank you so much for hosting me here in Austin, Texas. It's good to see your smiling face in the flesh. It's nice to meet you. This is an honor, and I'm glad to be a part of uh, your journey here with what you're doing with educating people about options in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. And the the fact that you are building a business in Texas makes me very happy. I, you know, people ask me all the time, when are they going to legalize cannabis in Texas? I'm like, when you get out there and start talking about it and rattling cages. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting uh, with this 87th legislature that we had, there was a bill to uh, legalize adult use in Texas. Of course, it died on the on the floor, didn't go to committee. But the fact that the state like Texas, which is very conservative, had over 27 bills that were that had bipartisan support. That says a lot. Yes. And I know that they did expand the teacup. Texas Compassionate Use Program. Okay, yes, because my sister-in-law who had stage four breast cancer, Mm. when she was first going to the doctor and was talking to them about cannabis, her doctor said, I would prescribe it if I could, Mm -hmm. but you're not dying. You're not on your deathbed, and that's all that we can do now. But since they've now expanded that, she had an appointment last Friday and went in and was like, all right, let's talk about my medical card. So absolutely that, you know, it's wonderful because there are so many individuals, you know, uh, that have those stories where, you know, cannabis can be a really true relief for them and extend their quality of life. My personal journey 
with uh, my father and, and his cancer treatments due to mesothelioma was what led me to create my CBD line. And, you know, knowing firsthand what the devastating effects are of the drugs like they gave him morphine so i'm not sure what your sister's journey was but you know the nausea the vomiting if you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust consider collateral base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. The lack of appetite and the chronic pain, you know, if you give them, you know, this morphine, all they're going to do is be a zombie. They're still not going to be eating. Yes. They're not going to have any quality of life. And then they can't even interact with their loved ones when you know some of them are on the end stage and some of them are not, but they're still battling these horrific diseases. And we have to look at our health system, and I refuse to call it a health care system because the care is not really what motivates this country. It's the profits and the yes. capitalism. Uh, but when we look at our health system, why do we first want to use these toxic options that are not good for our bodies when we know we have resources that can really help that don't have all these side yes. effects? Yes. And Crystal and Dion, they... They really took it to their doctor and I don't even know what the space is where you go and get the infusions, mm -hmm. but you know, they would walk in and there's bowls of candy everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, that feeds cancer. What are you doing giving this to people while they're getting an infusion? And so, you know, they really, um, were forthcoming about like, we're using cannabis. We're using, she would juice a whole thing of celery as soon as she got home from her treatment, get in the infrared sauna, mm -hmm. do the detoxing pieces. And she would talk about that with her doctor. Her doctor wasn't talking about that with her. Absolutely. And it's sad because one of the things that I try and do when I educate other healthcare providers about cannabis is encourage them to start having those conversations uh, because more of the population utilizes it and seeks it out for their medicine, not just recreational use, but for their actual medicine. And as providers, we need to add a question about cannabis use on our intake forms. And when you're doing your exam and your patient's history, ask them. I feel like many providers don't ask because they don't know or they don't have time. You know, when we live in, you know, a country where the average, you know, physician visit is about 15 minutes or less, how much can you really get into them, yeah. you know, with them about, you know, 
what other options, what other supplements that they're really using. We're not looking at it from a caring standpoint. Yeah. We're looking at it as, okay, let me write you this. You got this going on. Okay, I'm going to treat the symptom. But if we stop looking at just symptoms and start looking at root causes, so many different things can change. And it's funny you say that because I just recently was in a doctor's office for my, you know, annual exam and the whole time now they're looking at this computer screen they're just asking questions, you know, pushing buttons, doing the whole thing. And you don't really feel like you're engaging mm -hmm. with them. And to me, I'm like, okay, they're putting all this in the system. So everybody I meet with here is going to know this information. So if they're doing it, at least they're doing it for a good reason. But then you go for the follow-up and th somebody different is literally going through that same form mm -hmm. with you. And I'm like, are y'all not sharing information mm -hmm. or I thought we should be building on something? Yeah, the, the cohesion is not there, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, it's good now that at least the pharmacies have that type of cohesion. But it's, it's there's there's not a standard. Every system, every group has their own medical records. And, you know, you can request them from other providers and they can send them. But to really have and, and it's interesting, all the technology we have in this country, why do we not have a system that, you know, the federal government maybe runs that can, you know, number one, protect our health information. Uh, number two. Well, let me pause, though, <laughs> because I don't think the federal government is protecting any of our information. So that kind of scares me to think about that. But I'm just mean, like within your own practice, at least, mm. you know, I didn't sign up for the hey, we'll send you your stuff via email mm -hmm. because I started reading the privacy policy and I'm like, uh, I don't think so. Right. I, so I just didn't sign up for it. So I'm like, well, if there's a problem, they'll pick up the phone and call me. Mm hmm. How do you feel about all that stuff? Or, I mean, do you think about it like that? I think about it in two ways. Number one, um, if we're looking at true healthcare, and we know there is there are breaches, there are data breaches all the time. Cybersecurity is real. We see what happened with which one was it? Was it Equifax that had the huge breach? You know, but what I see is when it comes to healthcare, the only the only cohesion that I see as a healthcare practitioner in an integrated setting is when it comes to pharmaceuticals. You know, it's very easy for any pharmacy, you know, to send or get, you know, a prescription and request that or what have you. They can check and see if you are, you know, an opioid overuser slash abuser because you're going to get, you know, different prescriptions from different pharmacies. So we've we've tried to put in different types of regulations to prevent that. But then it still happens, you know, because there are some providers that will just write scripts, you know, and it's sad. I think a few weeks ago I heard about some city that had the highest number of opioids prescribed and the town was like a 50,000 people. Wow. There's a problem with That's that. A huge it's still problem. occurring. And we yet we still have all these lawsuits that are being settled. I know I think it was the state of New York that recently settled um, with one of the big pharma groups. And when we look at that and still see we know there's a problem. We have resources that can effectively address the problem. We have these lawsuits that are being settled and occurring, but the problem's not stopping. Yeah. And it mirrors the healthcare 
the health industry where we're never getting to the root of the problem. We constantly are putting band-aids on things. Mm -hmm. Because we're looking at the profits and that's where the capitalism plays into place. And and we have a sick care system. You know, anytime you look at TV and you see the top three commercials are going to be pharmaceuticals, it's going to be a alcoholic beverage and it's fast food. And when we go to Europe, we don't see pharmaceutical sales ads. We see fashion. We see lifestyle we see travel, you may see wine, you know, but you're not inundated with all these disease causing, you know, advertisements. There's a problem with that. Yeah. And in harmony with that, the NFL sponsors, the, you know, NBA sponsors, I'm sorry, McDonald's, what? Like, yeah. How many ridiculous. athletes really eat that? You know, it's kind of like when you see the the car commercials, it's like, OK, are you really driving that car? Like I've, <laughs> I've, I've yet to see an athlete, maybe maybe one. I know there's one golfer. I think Tiger Woods, you know, was seen around in his Buick here and there. <laughs> but, you know, you really it's interesting, but it is it's capitalism at its best. And, you know, when you live in a country that's as wealthy, that has as, as many resources as we have in the United States. We have all these institutional research facilities that can do and create the best of the best, but yet we're spending the most money per capita on healthcare. It's not healthcare. We should be healthy. You know, we have the most hospitals and doctors per capita. But yet we rank, I think it was 37th the last time I looked with the World Health Organization. Now, we may have bumped up a little bit because of the pandemic, but yet and still, you know, it's driven by profits. And the sicker you are, the more profits are made by certain divisions in what's being called the healthcare system. And it's disappointing. It is disappointing. And, you know, anybody that is called a conspiracy theorist, they have decided, okay, I'm going to dig beneath the surface and I'm going to follow the money. Mm -hmm. So when we do that with Big Pharma, we learned that they are the largest funder of the FDA. Mm -hmm. That's scary. But yet as consumers, we are brainwashed that if it's not FDA approved or FDA cleared and every day we see commercials for lawsuits, you know, if you had this type of mesh or if you took this particular statin and you had this side effect and we we watch the list of side effects and some of them on these commercials are just outstanding. Like, you know, it's like, okay, do you really want to take this to lower something that you could probably do on your own? But one of the side effects is anal leakage. Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? You know, it's like, okay, but I think the problem also is the fact that many of us, we live in this fast paced world, we want a fast solution, but we have to look at whatever chronic diseases that we have, those didn't just develop overnight. So we cannot affect a solution to be safe for us that happens overnight. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so true. And, you know, we... <laughs> Okay, I'm saying this as someone whose parents are constantly saying, it's hell getting old, Joanna. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, but I've watched you. 
I know your habits. I know what you eat. I know what you drink. I know how much you do this, that, and the other, and how much you don't work out. And it's like whatever you're feeling right now didn't start right now. Mm -hmm. It started 10, 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, being able to teach this holistic lifestyle approach, there's not a magic pill. There's a whole list of things that we have to do, whether or not it's sleep, what we're putting into our diet, the people that we surround ourselves with, how much time we spend alone in meditation, all of those things together create this holistic, healthy lifestyle. And we're also lazy Americans that are just like, I want the magic bullet. I want the fast and easy mm -hmm. thing. And it doesn't exist. Well, if we think about it just from a mobility standpoint, you know, if we looked at, because we are so vain, you know, and so we start seeing a wrinkle or something going on on our face or our teeth, we're going to fix that as soon as possible. But we'll ignore pain symptoms and pain signals from our body that tell us, hey, something's going on. Oh, yeah, my back's a little sore. I have this headache. And, you know, I've been having these headaches for a few days now or weeks or months. And we're just, you know, reaching for something like, oh, that's going to take the headache away. But yet, you know, if we look at how we treat our vehicles, as soon as that check engine light or something weird starts lighting up the dash, we are pulling over. We're calling that mechanic. We're trying to get that vehicle into the dealership. But we don't do that same type of practice for ourselves. So a lot of these issues, we definitely create for ourselves. And the pandemic has just made it worse with the sedentary lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how the COVID conversation, it's like, well, the flu doesn't exist anymore. You know, all of these other things don't exist because COVID's here and this is front and center. It's like we can't think about all these things at once collectively. Mm -hmm. The comorbidities and COVID conversation doesn't come up a lot. Mm -mm. Whenever I was having to decide, am I getting the vaccine or not? It's like, okay, I'm a healthy woman at a, a considerably young age for mm -hmm. this. I have a 99.7% chance of surviving. Mm -hmm. Do I take the experimental vaccine mm -hmm. that we don't know anything about yet? Or do I just sit back and if I get COVID, do the things that I need to do and get better and mm -hmm. then have the antibodies? Mm -hmm. You know, like to me, that was a real conversation that I needed to work through. And mm -hmm. like, what are the pros and cons of doing each thing? But then I get shamed for not having the vaccine yet. Mm. For me, I'm like, I want to be empowered to make my own healthcare choices mm -hmm. and not feel like I'm being bullied by somebody in a white coat or by a community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I have these conversations with patients and family members and friends. I, I, I know quite a few people that are and aren't vaccinated. When I look at the overhaul for me, you know, number one was I am uh, a co-provider, primary caregiver um, for my 89-year-old godfather, and he likes to play poker. So with the young and the old mixing, you know, I don't want to put him at risk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not so much about my health and whether or not I could recover from it. Um, it's more about who could I give it to 
that I would miss desperately, you know, if they're not here. Now, at an 89, I know he may not be here for another 20 years. He might because, you know, family ends up living living long on 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 that side. But, you know, I, I had to look at that. You know, I have mm-hmm. to look at those options. And when we look at these newer variants that you know, are coming. I think 20% now of the the new cases that are in the United States are the Delta variant, the same type that India has. That spreads more rapidly. Um, you know, we were we were talking about our weekends before before the podcast and I was in another city and it just really blew my mind how many people were out and about. Um, and you know, we have this 4th of July celebration that's coming up here, you know, but when we look at, you know, everyone's not vaccinated, I get that, you know, but I want to do everything I can to protect not only my family, but to protect others that made that choice. They don't want to be, Mm -hmm. and, and it's okay. You know, I think we need to have more conversations about, the differences and we need to embrace them. I don't feel someone's a bad person because they choose not to get vaccinated. But one of the things that I encourage people to do is look at, you know, the people around you. You may survive fine, but, you know, your elders or those individuals that have pre-existing conditions and in the black and brown communities there are tons. There are long list of disparities in healthcare, yes. and so you know we need to look at things differently. Well, I agree, and I ha- I was having this conversation with a Canadian friend of mine who was like, if I wasn't caring for my ninety four year old mm-hmm. parent, then I definitely wouldn't get it myself. And we all have the freedom to make the, those decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fortunately or not fortunately, I don't have children or spouse or roommates or any of that. So I get to be selfish. Right. Absolutely. And it's not about being selfish. Self-full is what yeah. I've been told. Ah, Well, <laughs> you know what? It's doing what's best for you. Now, I can tell you when they first came out, you know, and we're talking about this vaccine and I was like, that's kind of quick. You know, I didn't do the clinical trials. You know, I wasn't a part of that journey, but I'm like, well, I hope at least, you know, let's see what happens to people six months out. I wasn't gung ho like, yay, you know, y'all want it, <laughs> you know, and and for several different reasons. Like, you know, I think for me, you know, even looking at vaccines, you know, in children. Now, when you and I were younger, we probably got about seven different vaccines from the time we were born all the way to the time, you know, we were adolescents. Right now, I think there's like 13 to 15 that are recommended for children under two to five years of age. Okay. So for me, what was right with my choice with my child when I had a child was I delayed vaccines and picked and choose which ones at which time. I don't think you need to get and I'm not a pediatrician, so let me put that out there. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't vaccinate. You know, I'm, I'm. there's a place and a time for everything. But you have to do what's right for you and your family, you know, and make those choices, you know, currently. But, 
you know, a triple combination utilizing mercury and, and, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons, but if we look long-term in the United States, we don't have certain diseases because we've been able, you know, to take care of ourselves and the advancements in science. But that doesn't mean that everyone has to do things the same way that it's recommended. You know, right now, looking at the World Health Organization, they're saying vaccinated people should still be wearing masks. So what I do is I look at the NBA. If they're if those players are still in there and I know they're testing them every single time they walk in the building, every single time they go to practice, you know, they have the resources that we don't. You know, but if you see them masked up, you see what they're doing with their health and wellness protocols and safety protocols. You know, those players have to sit down. They have to stay home. They were the first group to go in the bubble. So for me, I kind of judge by, you know, all those millions of dollars that are running around on that court. What they're doing to protect their assets, which are those players, is what I'm going to do to protect my home. Mm -hmm. I really think the conversation needs to be so much more about critical thinking. Yes. Just do your homework, ask questions. You know, I remember when all this kind of started and I was asking questions, I had somebody tell me that this is not the time for me to be asking questions. I should just be doing what the professionals say I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, you're what's wrong with this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gotten to a point where we can't think for ourselves and that, you know, I, I feel like the pandemic has made it worse and we've seen it with the division in this country, which it breaks my heart. Um, but I feel like, you know, what happened to dialogue? What happened to, it's okay for you to have an opinion. Yeah. What happened to this is your body. You know, but we've we've gotten away from that. But then, you know, certain groups try and pick and choose what they feel you should choose for your body. Like I'm a black. I'm from a I'm a strong believer that if you want to sell your organs, you should be able to because they are your organs. You know, if we had a system where you could do that, we probably wouldn't have all these undercover harvesters and all this human trafficking that's occurring because it's such a big underground market. Yes. You know, it's it's we can make life better for so many people if we just gave people the privilege and the rights to do as they choose. Amen. I like that sermon. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of the division in this country, one of the things that you had told me before was that 4% of cannabis businesses are owned by African Americans. And you, I believe, are the very first African-American CBD business owner in Austin, Texas. Is that correct? Yes, I believe I'm also the, the first in Texas. Ooh, um, wow. I founded uh, my company, my CBD line. I launched it in 2018 officially. And, you know, in 2015 is when I discovered actual CBD, you know, from my dad's experience with mesothelioma. One of the things that really took me back because I'm I'm one of those everything's evidence-based. Like even if you go to my website, you will see there's a link for resources because I support everything that we do and we back it, you know, with evidence. Um, but one of the things that I did is I started, you know, going to conferences and, and looking at the industry and seeing really, you know, originally I wanted to own a dispensary, you know, and um, 
that that changed for me. But what amazed me was how few people of color were present at these events. And when you look at the long list of how, you know, cannabis was legal in the country till 1937 and then it wasn't legal. And we look at this journey of racism and division and we look at these individuals that are still incarcerated because of cannabis related crimes, mainly possession or intent to distribute. But then we look at the individuals that are currently profiting off of it. There we go with those disparities again. Yeah. And I I have a little postcard framed in my studio that says, in the United States, we have 5% of the world population and 25% of its prisoners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And an interesting fact, too, is we we're talking about the pharmaceuticals. We're less than 5% of the population, but we consume over 95% of the world's pharmaceuticals. Whoa. What does that tell you? Oh, my gosh. You just made me think of this video I saw on social the other day, and it was people from around the world watching a video on how our insurance and health care or health system works. And they were just blown away. They're so confused. They're like, wait a minute, you know, like trying to figure out how to pick an insurance plan mm-hmm. and then seeing how much it costs. Like, you know, it's ridiculous to everyone else. I mean, hell, it's ridiculous to all of us here. Exactly. And we're like, you know, I don't want to be calling us all victims, but like how the hell did we get here right and you know what i what i find interesting as a healthcare provider is the fact that these insurance companies can also dictate your care because you know if you're in you know if you come to see me and you have you know back pain you may have been in a car accident or for whatever reason you have this if i want to do advanced imaging on you. And this is, I'll I'll tie it back in with what the NBA does. You know, you see a player get hurt, right? The first thing they do is they take them off the court, they may ice it, and then they're taking them back immediately to do some imaging to see what the extent of the damage is. Now, for regular Mary and Joe Jones that may come in to see me, I've got to jump through so many hoops to get that imaging approved for you because they want to say, well, did you try 12 weeks of pharmaceuticals first? Did we do 10 or 12 weeks of of physical therapy first? And it's like, you really don't want to pay for this advanced imaging, whether you're looking at an MRI, CT, what have you, you rather not pay for it. So you have, you know, to jump through hoops to get this imaging paid for or, or approved by the insurance company. And 99.9% of the time, the person I'm talking to or my staff is talking to on the other end doesn't know this patient's history. They don't know what we're looking at. They haven't had the exam findings. They don't have any type of medical training or healthcare training, but yet they can say, oh no, we need to do all these steps first. And that's our mission with our company is to treat everyone, provide the same type of whole person healthcare that athletes and celebrities receive because they don't have to go through that. Yeah, They don't have to wait through these processes, but yet we're telling everybody you need this health insurance because it's very expensive. You know, now for catastrophic events, you know, if you're in a car accident, if you have some organ or system failure, 
that's where that really comes into play. But for people who have neuromuscular skeletal issues, you know, their nerves, their muscles, their joints, their bones, you have those types of issues. Our system is failing people. Yeah, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and she was saying how you know, she has a you know master's degree in kinesiology, I think, and she was a physical therapist and and she quit and she's now working for a woman like throwing pottery and stuff and her family's like, what are you doing? She's like, I can't be a part of this system anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, when you know, just like what you're saying, you know exactly what needs to happen. But then in order to have insurance play along, they make you jump through three other hoops. Now you have your client or patient mm -hmm. who's now maybe not trusting you. Right. Because you are making them come see you two more times, mm -hmm. spend a little bit money on more on money on these visits. And it's not because of you, it's because of the system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Well, if we look at job satisfaction among primary care providers in this country, it's not high. It's really disheartening when you look at how much education, you know, it takes to become a physician. And so many of them do not have job satisfaction. Why is that? Because, again, who's dictating what you are and aren't able to do? It's disappointing. And so many people get into it because they want to help. But you're limited because of certain guidelines yeah. by the type of help. And it's yeah. all leaning back on these profits. Yeah. Yeah. You can help, but we're going to tie your hands behind your back and mm. then go help. So, yeah, what you do, I told you before, I labeled it hybrid healthcare, And it's functional medicine where you have these different modalities that you can work through with a patient plus the whole plant medicine options. Mm -hmm. And so someone comes in, maybe they need acupuncture or, you know, physical therapy or massage or all of these other things that go along with the medicine. So describe to the listeners like how your practice works and, and what that whole personal health care looks mm -hmm. like to you. So one of the things uh, being integrated, so I'm a chiropractor and massage therapist, and my partner is a medical doctor. One of the things that early on, even as a student, I'm like, it doesn't make sense that we compartmentalize care. Because if someone comes to see us and, you know, our spectrum is neuromuscular, physical issues. And so if someone's coming to see us for nerve, muscle, joint, pain, we're looking at it as, okay, your back is your chief complaint, but how has that affected things above, things below, all your other systems. And we're not just looking for, okay, this is a red flag right here, but we're actually trying to get to the root cause. So number one, we don't just treat symptoms. Number two, we educate our patients and the other providers that we work with on what's happening. This is a process. You know, we educate them and let them know that pain's the last thing to come on, it's also the first thing to go away. So we have to get out of that symptom thinking and really look at function and quality of life. Yeah. Yes. And I like that you said that because it's so true. As soon as someone doesn't feel the pain anymore, they stop the process a lot of times. And mm -hmm. then that comes and creeps back up on you. 
and it is it's it's so interesting so going back to that car with you know that check engine light on you don't stop your car and and just put a band-aid over that so you're not seeing that you're <laughs> yeah. getting the issue fixed and when you put things into perspective for individuals i just think that we've been miseducated so frequently about how our bodies work about what's good for our bodies like we we're talking about nutrition and nutrition plays an important role um, we talked about stress. And so those are conversations. And because we spend 45 minutes to about an hour and a half with our patients, you know, whether it's in person, whether it's, you know, a, a telemedicine visit, um, but we do have a network of providers that we do lead them to um, in their areas. And we use all the tools. And most individuals will say, oh, you're, you're doing alternative medicine. No, it's complementary because we should be completely completely complementing one another and communicating properly so that we can help this individual get well. And my ultimate goal is to have a global network of providers that are more holistically minded. You know, yes, again, I will say there is a time and a place for pharmaceuticals, typically acutely though. Long term, we're seeing the devastation of these pharmaceuticals because we see dialysis centers popping up like jack in a box. You know, um, we were having a discussion in the office the other day about diabetes and the, the functional medicine aspect of that. And so many people have diabetes now that it's like, oh, yeah, I just have diabetes. And it's like, what do you mean you just have diabetes? Because it's common. Yeah. You know, we're okay with it now. And it's like, oh, like, you know, you've got uh, a birthmark on your eye or something, you know, oh, you just have, yeah, oh, I just have birthmark. Oh, I just have diabetes. But we're not looking at long term. Number one, what are the complications of diabetes long term? How it can ultimately decrease your quality of life, you know, and not knowing what the root cause is. You can't just keep medicating certain things and changing the medications for individuals and thinking that's fixing anything. That's not what health care is. Exactly. And isn't the African-American community plagued more with diabetes than any other? African-American and Latino Latinx community are. Um, and and it's it's really sad because part of it is, yes, we can look at diets. Part of it is these communities live in food deserts. Yes. So where are they supposed to get food? That. Like you go into these communities and you're going to see, again, those liquor stores. You're going to see the fast food. Where Where's Whole Foods? Where's Trader Joe's? Where's the whatever the, the city grocery stores are in those communities? Mm -hmm. Why are there not banks in those communities? Why is it primarily a check cashing place? Because we are predators on society and especially those that are low income until we get to a point where we want that land and we're going to gentrify it. And then you'll see all those amenities popping up. Yeah, it's disgusting. And, you know, urban farming is an amazing solution. But, you know, I was watching a documentary, The Need to Grow, mm. and there was a gentleman who was doing urban farming and um, the city took the the land away and they built a damn like roller skating rink or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just like, if you've got to give people a chance to eat healthy foods, you know, Oh, come get two cheeseburgers for a dollar at McDonald's. That's not nutrition for anybody. It's not. 
It's not. And it's 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 sad. You know, I, I think about when I was in elementary and they showed us this food pyramid. I don't know if you remember the old oh, one where you're yeah. supposed to eat 11 grains yeah. and, and rice and then you eat, you know, a few veggies. Now it's changed. We got the plate now. We don't have the food pyramid. But that changed. How our food is cultivated has changed. You know, so if we look at the diets of, you know, going back to, you know, my 89 year old godfather and, you know, when when I go and get certain foods at some of those higher uh, priced boutique grocery stores, he's like, wow, this fish tastes like we caught it back in the day when I used to go fishing or or this chicken, you know. So there are differences, you know, in how things are processed in our nation. And bigger, better, stronger doesn't necessarily mean healthier for Absolutely. us. And if you don't have the resources, it's unfortunate because in every aspect of your life, it's going to be a struggle. And healthcare is one of the biggest things that we're seeing that with. And doing some homework on chemical agriculture, I was reading that children, their systems, their organs and systems are still developing. Mm -hmm. And they are the ones that are plagued more by the chemical agricultural problems. And, you know, the peanut allergies and mm -hmm. the eczema and all of these things that really didn't exist much before. And, you know, now we we've got to get more vaccines and more shots and more things. But it's like. Or we can just fine all of these companies that are poisoning our land and poisoning mm -hmm. our citizens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and go back to organic and sustainable mm -hmm. ways of feeding ourselves. Why do we not see those types of diseases and issues as prevalent as they are in the United States and other countries? And we have to look at not only the environmental toxins, but how that crosses over and climate change is another, you know, aspect of that, but how that's crossing over into our food and our everyday lives. You know, there's so much toxic things, whether it's the mental toxins that we have by being around or not living a healthy life and not taking care of our, our mental health, you know, but the physical aspect, and then we're ingesting these chemicals, like, you know, you, you don't have a choice. Yeah. And, you know, the old advice of just shopping on the out, outer edges of the grocery store, when you start walking up and down those aisles with all those boxes of processed foods, you're doing yourself a disservice by purchasing them and feeding them to your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you think you're saving money and and treating them because, you know, most of those products are going to say low fat, low calorie, baked you know, and, and you can make those as easy as it is. You know, we, we can make more of our own foods. I think the problem is time. You know, Americans want something now. We don't want to have to wait for the processes. Um, and then it can be resources. You know, if you're looking at, you know, again, going back and tying it into the pandemic and people being at home, man, more people started cooking. You know, I started doing grocery delivery and I started saving money because I'm not going in and seeing something that I don't need. So I'm not making those same spontaneous purchases, but everyone can't do that. And I, I recognize that. Um, but I think if the biggest question that your listeners should think about is if we're spending the most money out of any country on health care and why are we ranking 37th? And why is it we're not the healthiest? Yeah. 
These are all good, good questions. During COVID, you know, I lost almost 80% of my income Mm -hmm. and got a firsthand view of what the Medi-Cal system Mm -hmm. is. When I went in to see a doctor, I had this one sheet and it was like, do you consume alcohol every day? Yes or no? That was the very first question on the form. And I even took a picture of a couple of the intake forms asking these very general questions that they're using to put people into a bucket to Mm -hmm. put into programs. Mm -hmm. And I'm relatively healthy. I don't hardly ever go to the doctor. I needed, you know, my women's wellness exam. That's why I went in. And before that, I was getting like harassing phone calls from them being like, hey, you haven't gone to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Go check Mm -hmm. in with the doctor. And I'm like, why are you trying to push me to a doctor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember a few visits that my father had before he started his treatments at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. And we're at a doctor's office in Dallas and 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 he had different a series of different, you know, first it was a cardiothoracic specialist. And every single time we would go to an office, they'd ask, OK, what medications are you on? And he said, you know, I take, you know, this for my hypertension. And they're like, and and he was like, and that's it. <laughs> so then by the you know third visit, he's like. Why is it that y'all are always asking what else? I said that because it's common. Again, it's common that someone your age who's, you know, 68 years old is on 12 or more different medications, you know, which, of course, we don't know what the side effect is, you know, when you combine that many medications. But, you know, I said it's common. So you outside of this hypertension, you're otherwise healthy individual and your peers of your same age group are taking all of these other medications. Yeah, you're an outlier in this group. You are. You definitely are. And, you know, it's it just it becomes more and more frustrating when you think about a loved one or yourself. And a lot of people don't have a clue. And, you know, even looking at my 89 year old godfather, whenever they would go to the doctor, they would get all dressed up. Whatever the doctor says, it's like you are, you know, on this other hierarchy. And so, oh, no, I got my doctor told me that the reason why my cholesterol is high is because I have a lack of this statin drug, you know, this particular statin drug in my system. And I'm like, that's not why. That's not why it's it's high. Like that can help lower it temporarily. But what is it going to do long term? And what other lifestyle modification factors? We don't want to hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. Man, it's so true. And when I was just home for my family reunion, my dad and my stepmom, they both had like these, you know, big bruise kind of things on their arms. And they had had to have stents recently put in. And so, you know, now they're on some blood thinner thing. And I'm like, y'all look like y'all are beating the hell out of each other. Mm -hmm. And it's like they barely bump their arm and they have like this pooling of blood under their skin. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. This isn't the answer. No, that's that is absolutely true. And the the fact that you said a better way. So I have a good friend in Houston, Dr. Tabor Smith, and he has a film that I think is available on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken, but it's called A Better Way. And he shares a story about his mother dying at the age, I want to say maybe 43 or 47 because she was on all these different pharmaceuticals that ended up 
you know, ultimately creating her early demise. And so one of the things that he uses the film and there's you would love it, um, but he uses the film as a documentary to teach everyone that, you know, there is a better way. So it ties into this entire conversation that we're having. And I encourage your listeners to check that out because it's, you know, when we educate ourselves and we're empowered, I think one of the greatest things that technology has given us is you have these computers on your hand. I remember being young and having to go and look up stuff. And most people don't know what a Dewey Decimal System is. Um, but we have all this technology. And the main thing is empower yourself. Pay attention to what's happening with your body. Seek out plants as medicine. You know, look at how our ancestors lived off the land and of the land and stop looking for a quick fix for things. Yeah. And look at history. Don't look to the FDA. You know, when if something says, well, this isn't FDA approved, I'm like, well, but people have been using this for several thousands or tens of thousands of years. So mm, who gives a shit? The FDA isn't that old. <laughs> right, right. You know, and that's that's so funny because you look at the you know, thousands and thousands of years that cannabis has been around and, and really going back and looking at, you know, its history throughout the world, um, which it has been used, you know, for medicine and as a medicine amongst other things. I just find it's interesting how the United States has so much power that we change the perception of it. And now we're trying to get it back to where the globe is embracing it again. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but um, I think that for individuals that, you know, are curious about cannabis, the main thing is educate yourself. Know that most of the pharmaceuticals that are available over the counter, it's safer than that. So depending on what your ailment is and for us, our product line, we focus on, you know, chronic pain, anxiety, performance recovery, and cognitive function. That's that's where our rim is. Um, but as healthcare providers, we try and educate people that diet, lifestyle, you know, there there are things that you need to be accountable for as well. And cannabis can be another tool in your arsenal just to make your quality of life better. I totally agree. So um, tell me, because True Stopper, you've, you've just kind of done a rebrand, you have a new products launching. So tell me what's in the lineup. All right. So one of the reasons, so we went from pain stoppers to true stoppers because I had quite a few people who were like, oh, well, we thought your products were only for pain. And I was like, okay, I could see how you could think <laughs> that. And so we didn't want to put ourselves inside a box. Um, and, you know, as I stated before, you know, what we primarily do see are chronic pain sufferers. We have a lot of athletes that we work with, with their performance recovery, um, being in Austin, Texas and, and having an office in Colleen as well, you know, anxiety and PTSD. Um, and then, you know, of course, personal experiences always lead us. So uh, my godmother had Alzheimer's and dementia. And so I started researching and learning, you know, more about the role that it plays with cognitive function. And so those are our primary um, targets 
with our uh, product line, but we've created in the websites, it's, it's still being uh, updated, but we've created different kinds of, of protocols to help guide patients and providers through the use of those. And so we've added from our initial line, you know, we always had a roll on and a salve with our topicals. We've added a pain patch. Um, we have different types of oils now. We we did start extracting CBN and CBG because the research as it comes out, you know, and I'm sure most of your yeah. listeners know that there's so many hundreds of different types of cannabinoids and we're just now discovering them. CBD and THC are the biggest two. Um, but what we're learning is CBN can help with pain modulation much better than CBD can. And so when you're looking at the neuroprotective and neuroregenerative processes, you know, that's great. The CBG, you know, for the gut, um, we've also added some of the pet lines. So we have a, a pet oil, we have dog chews, um, we have some alert and unwind tablets to, to try and help, you know, people calm down. And it's just been interesting to be able to see the differences in offerings that we had because our initial line started off with extracts. And they were really concentrated and individuals didn't know how to use them. And so we were trying to guide them through, but they're like, oh, it tastes horrible. So we have a, you know, a couple of different flavored oils now as well. But, you know, the main thing that, you know, we still have is our extreme, which we have the international patent that's pending on that. Our goal is to perform some clinical trials. And now that the pandemic is starting to disperse a little bit more. More, but uh, we'd like to do our clinical trials and see if we can get it FDA approved for a certain condition. And so um, one of the things that I, I wanted to do was to make sure we educated consumers on how to choose safe products because everyone's selling CBD. A lot of things are coming from foreign countries that don't have what they say in them. And just to really let people know that it is beneficial and here's evidence that's yeah. been around where it can help you. And it's non-toxic. You know, when you, you mentioned the CBN being good for the pain modulation, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I was noticing when I would take something with THC to, before I went to bed, that I would wake up in the middle of the night mm -hmm. around three o'clock, just like if I had had a few glasses of wine and you just kind of have that alert wake up moment. And so I switched to a CBN only uh, sublingual before I went to bed and it works so well, but now interesting. So it's helping me sleep and I have all the genes for inflammation. So CBN's got some additional benefits that I wasn't aware of. That's mm -hmm. always fun. It's like, that was a bonus. Oh yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it's amazing. And there's so much information that's out there. It can be difficult for individuals to know like, okay, where should I start? What should I start with? Um, and so typically we always, you know, start off with the topicals, you know, because if you've got something localized, um, you can utilize that, but it is, I think it's amazing how almost every single day you learn something new about what's happening uh, and where the research is going with the cannabis. So um, an additional item that we added with our calming tablets or calming capsules is it has melatonin and chamomile along with the CBD. 
our focus tablets has B12 and caffeine along with the CBD. Um, and then we combine that, you know, with our gummies. So that can help someone who might be suffering from anxiety because you wake up, you're trying to focus a little bit more in the mornings and, you know, get yourself together. Um, we were seeing great um, be and receiving great feedback from not just our students, but a lot of our veterans. And uh, it's just it's just great to be a part of the process with being able to help people without utilizing drugs and surgery. And knowing that we're all genetically precious snowflakes, it's like, OK, this is what someone is telling me this protocol is good for. I'm going to try it, but be aware keep my eyes open. How does my body feel like mm -hmm. right now? Okay, I'm going to take it 15 minutes later. How does my body feel right now? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of just taking someone else's word for it, be a part of the process, be a part of the overall big experiment that's happening right now in the world with whole plant medicine, and then speak up, talk about it, tell your friends, tell your family, you know, that's how we're going to get the momentum to shift this sick care paradigm mm -hmm. into hybrid health care. Uh, hybrid health care. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, it's interesting. It's just like everyone's style is different. Everyone's body responds differently to treatments, no matter what it is. We, even if it's, you know, we're looking at a workout routine, your body is going to respond differently than mine will. And that's in each and every aspect. And I like how you said we're all, you know, a snowflake because not not two of us are alike. But it is important in being accountable, being involved, being compliant and making yourself a priority. And I think more and more individuals are now doing that. So that's another one of the blessings of the pandemic, as I call them, is that people are aware that we need to take care of ourselves and you have to be your largest advocate. Amen. Now, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to kind of round out our chat? I think we've covered so much. I could talk to you for days and, and <laughs> um you know, the the main thing is, you know, for your listeners that are looking for um, quality products, you know, make sure you look for a certificate of analysis that you're using a reputable company and that you know where the products are being sourced from. I don't recommend, you know, your local convenience store, you know, and ask questions, you know, definitely ask questions. And that pertains to every aspect of your health. And if you notice something's not right, get it checked out immediately, because yeah. the longer you wait, the more damage that you might be causing. That's so true. You know, listening to our body and in the morning doing just a full body scan, maybe before you even get out of bed, start at the tips of your toes and work your way up. Like, how does everything feel? How do I feel? So many people wake up with their alarm on their phone. So their phone is immediately in their hand as soon as they wake mm -hmm. up in the morning. And so it distracts you from yourself. Mm -hmm take time for yourself, even if it's just that first five minutes or, you know, take five minutes in the morning, five minutes at lunchtime, five minutes at night, but make yourself a priority. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's lovely to to be in Austin, Texas, and I am proud that you are representing cannabis in Lone Star State. Well, thank you for having me and come back anytime. <laughs> Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> I'm curious where you land on the sovereignty scale. After all, 
having sovereign rights and being sovereign, meaning actually acting on your free will, that's not the same thing. And we're at a point in history where it's critical to think for yourself and navigate life accordingly rather than blindly following the herd. And I can attest, as you increase your use of free will, you also increase your responsibility for your own actions and reactions. Which means there are fewer and fewer people to blame until all of a sudden you and only you are responsible for your life experience. It's the responsibility of a lifetime of living a highly inspired life. And I personally wouldn't have it any other way. If you feel empowered by today's conversation, I hope you'll share this podcast with a friend. And if you're looking for a one-of-a-kind cannabis-infused getaway, I invite you to join me in the beautiful wine and weed country of Sonoma County, California. As a cannabis lifestyle guide, I've cultivated a one-of-a-kind farm stay experience where you can enjoy the casually-baked lifestyle and the magic of sun-grown cannabis farms and vineyards. So if you're into wine, weed, or both, get ready to have a high time customized just for you. Learn more at casuallybaked.com backslash travel. That's casuallybaked.com backslash travel. Speaking of... I have to give a shout out to the one and only Melody Jenkins, my first farm stay guest, one of my cannabis lifestyle clients, and a longtime podcast patron. Melody is a real firecracker, y'all, and you'll get a chance to meet her on my upcoming 200th episode of the podcast. She and I talk about health issues and vaping, cannabis and sobriety, and seshing with me in the wine and wheat country. In the meantime, I invite you to head over to the podcast 197 show notes at casuallybaked.com to learn more about Dr. Kirsten Shepard, True Stoppers, and the things we discussed on today's podcast. Creating positive change is a team sport, my friend. So please help me spread the message far and wide by rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen. That small action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. And continue to submit your canna-curious questions through the website or DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the WeedTube. Thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Yes, it's a high time. We had a high time together. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.